few years now, every year around this time, there's a cartoon that pops up in my Facebook feed. And it's a cartoon of the manger scene. And the caption says, after the three wise men arrived, the three wise women arrived. And you can see in the cartoon, they're bearing gifts of a baby blanket, fresh folded diapers, and a casserole. <laughs> now it's kind of a cheap shot and a bit of a gendered joke. Um, but you know, as a young mother, I can affirm that yes, there is wisdom in casseroles and blankets and diapers and laundry. That's a big one. But I do want to push back on that cartoon a little bit because it seems to kind of make fun or devalue these gifts of frankincense and gold and myrrh. And these are important gifts that were brought. God doesn't always bring us the gifts that we ask for exactly as we want them to meet our daily needs. Sometimes God gives us gifts that are stranger that we can't understand, that lead us to places we might not know. So it's important to remember that, but more importantly, it's not about the gifts. It's not about the gifts. And this is a message that we in the church try to teach our children during the holiday season, that it's not about the presence, it's this time of sharing. And it really isn't. As I read our gospel passage over and over in the last couple of weeks, there were three things that emerged for me that I want to make sure everybody here knows. You're not allowed to leave church today without understanding these three things that are so critical about epiphany. They're so critical about this story that we hear during this time. The first is that this was a politically treacherous event. There's that passage in there that says, Herod was frightened and all Jerusalem with him. We should not underestimate that. Because we know that when people in power feel fear, terrible things can happen. And the wise men were wise enough to know that that might be the case. The incarnation of Jesus is not just a soft and squishy loving event where a baby is born, but it was a major upheaval in understanding who we are as political actors. Jesus came and proclaimed a message that the powerful weren't all that, and that the poor had a role, that the poor were in fact blessed. So we must understand that this incarnation and this epiphany was fraught with danger and with peril and with fear for those who were in power. The second thing that is really important to understand, and I found this in every single commentary that I read, was that what this moment of the wise men's visit tells us is that salvation is offered to all. It's important that these three men came from so far away, that they came from the East. They were not Jews. They were not even locals who might, you know, get absorbed into the Jewish culture. They were from way far out there. And they recognized that this child that was born was their king. And they came to pay homage. They came to pay homage to this child. 
And homage is not a word that we use so much anymore, but it kind of means submission and deference. It's not just a, hey, how you doing? I got you a present. It is a acknowledgement that a baby in a manger is greater than I. That I must submit and lay down my life so that this baby can survive. It's a powerful, powerful action. And this submission shows us that this salvation is for all. It is not just for the Jews. It is for every single person. And this is a theme that is reflected in the reading in Ephesians. And it's something that Paul, really his whole life in ministry, was about. Bringing this gospel message of this Jew to every single person on the planet. To the Gentiles, as it were. So the second thing, remember that salvation is indeed for all of us. That this child born is all of our king, not just the king of the Jews. Finally, probably the most important thing to remember is that Epiphany is the catalyst for a long narrative arc that we are journeying together through as a community. It takes us through the baptism, the ministry, trial, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus, of this Savior. And that's part of why we had Beth proclaim the gospel. After proclaiming the gospel, she proclaimed the date of Easter, kind of gave you the calendar for what is unfolding. Because today is the very beginning of that. It's not just the manger. It's not just the shepherds and the angels. Today is a reminder to us that this baby that we worship has a much larger story to tell. And it's a chance for us in this proclamation of Easter to sort of literally and figuratively make plans for this story arc that's going to unfold in us. So this really is, in many ways, this Feast of Epiphany, it's a provocation. It doesn't leave us alone. It provokes big questions about the meaning of power. It provokes changes to the balance and shift. It provokes questions about who exactly are the insiders and the outsiders here. Who is the us? Who is the them? We cannot sit and listen to these readings and celebrate the feast, the feast of Epiphany comfortably. It's an inherently uncomfortable thing. As much as we would like to, we cannot remain at the manger. We cannot stay and bask in the glow of this new birth. We must move forward through the fear, through the political upheaval, through the story of salvation. We cannot leave and expect everything to be the same. Coming to the manger and adoring the Christ child means everything is different. And the wise men knew this. They were wise, after all. They knew that they must go home by another way. That something so powerful and so incredible and so life-changing had happened to them that they could not do things the way that they had planned. They could not proceed 
with their lives as it once was. And this is the ultimate calling and provocation of Epiphany. We must go home by another way. So this is my invitation to all of us gathered. My invitation is that today we make a plan for this festal season. Beth has so kindly pointed out to us the calendar dates, but let's make a plan for how we will move through this time. How will you move through the unfolding story of Jesus Christ? How will you move through this life, this death, this resurrection, this ascension? And I encourage you to begin with a simple, perhaps not so simple, exercise. As we all leave church today, we'll probably go have some coffee and we'll chat and we'll catch up. We'll tell stories about the holidays. But today I want you to go home by a different way. Don't take the route that you always go. Go a different way. And as you drive or walk or however you got here, look around. See what's different. See how you feel. And know that this feast of Epiphany has changed you. And that you must go home by another way. And carry that with you as we celebrate this festal season beginning here and now. Amen.